this podcast is all about the rebuild, the rebuild of, yeah. um, of you and your brand and uh, to a degree your family. Well, I've had three of them. So yeah, know, it's, it's, it's hard like any stable to get going. Um, it normally takes five or six years and I haven't had a, a stint longer than three yet. You yeah. know? So I've obviously got going the first time and had a cobalt saga and you know, had to build again from Musselbrook and went to Newcastle and then obviously had some pretty significant health issues over the last sort of, you know, nearly 12 months and, or, you know, eight, nine months and, um, you know, had some good news with my health. Like yeah. it was, it was pretty scary before Christmas, mm. I must say. Um, and I'm on a, on a trial and immunotherapy and things have improved dramatically in the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. And we sort of sat down a couple of weeks ago, Kelly and I, and said, well, you know, it's 15 in work. You can't make any money doing it. I'm lucky that I've got a couple of nice horses, but we've either got to rebuild and get back to, you know, 30, 40 horses mm. um, or give it away. Mm. And it's sort of one of those things. People say, oh, give it away and focus on your health. But, you know, as you start to feel better, all you're doing is climbing the walls. Mm. And um, I'm a naturally busy thinker and uh, pretty passionate about my racing. So... I've got some pretty talented young horses there, so watching them go and win for other people probably wouldn't help my health a lot yeah. in the next 12 months anyway. I would have thought giving it away for you is not an option. No, like, no it's a li I'm a lifer, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a choice. I've been, you know, I've got, I'm a lifer, yeah. So, I mean, I've been in it since I was a kid. Dad was obviously a jumps jockey, trained, grew up on a farm, you know, um, been overseas. It's, even when I was rubbed out, I yeah. was always planning to come back. I used to be, wild on the punt when I was young because I mean I was running a can you get for walk please? I was running a, a stable where we were having 50 winners a year so your mm. next winner wasn't far around the, the table but uh, far around the corner but I don't punt like I used to I can't. so you were punting back in this Adelaide uh, Adelaide when you guys were airborne and winning premierships you were betting up define betting up I mean I, I was I wasn't I wasn't on big money or anything like that I, I calmed it right back because I was uh before I'd started training, I'd calmed it right back quite a lot. My sickest punning story was, there was this great story years ago about the guy that used to strap Grand Army, that used to wear the bone suits and safari hats and all that. And there was this great story about um, how he won like a maiden at Newcastle and Jimmy Cassidy got off and said to him, this is gonna win the Doncaster next year. So he'd go down to the Donny every Thursday and when he got his wages and put a, 100 on Grand Army and start at like 100 to 1 and as he firmed in over four months or whatever, you know, there's all these yeah. bets going on and there was this great story about the guy won, you know, I don't know what the figures were, say 60, 70 grand, but he'd yeah. been betting for four yeah. months and, you know, you hear these great stories. So yeah. I remember going, well, Mount Eden, Caulfield Cup, that's my Grand Army. So nasty. we were having this awesome run, you know, and so every Saturday or every Friday there was Unibet tickets and you used to have to fill out all these codes and you know, you could have like all these multis. So we had this spring where I was going down and like, you know, Devil Moon won the Let's Elope at 10 to one, I'd have a hundred bucks, her into Mount Even at 30 to one for the, the Cox Plate. I remember, Cox Plate or Caulfield uh, Sorry, Caulfield Cup. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, uh, you know, Divine Madonna won the Turak, by then he was only eight to one. And then, you know, you'd be, you'd, we were having winners in Adelaide and you know, all these horses just moved. We had this, this amazing spring. And uh, anyway, then EI hit. Mm. And all of a sudden, all the Sydney horses come out of the market because they couldn't travel. And all of a sudden, these four bucks 
when he, and then he won the JRA plate. And then all of a sudden he's six to four. And I'm sitting there and I started counting all these tickets of the winners that are going into him, but then all these live ones and you get to Caulfield Cup Day and I'm sweating bullets. So because how much are you on for? On the day, somewhere between six and eight hundred grand. Oh, fuck off. Um, yeah, so basically he walked out of the mounting yard as a dollar ninety favourite, yeah. walked into the gates, reared up in the gates and there was a camera sitting above him because he was favourite and he hit his head on the camera and out. That was it. Scratching. Maldivian in the Cox Plate, so he was about $10. And this is after the Caulfield Cup incident, isn't it? No, no, yeah, so a year after. Yeah. But see, Joe Ricciardo, um, who was one of my dad's great mates, he was a big hunter. Mm-hmm. He loved it. He, and, and so he, he had a good bet that day. Because they put the blinker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, that, he was the, the shorten, because he was 20s into, like, Joe was the shorten. He was, Joe, like, we put the blinkers on, scored him over the jumps, and Dad was very confident. Right. And Joe. So you, you guys were confident going yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, because yeah, Samantha Miss was favourite. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And her only hope was to go forward because any horse with 48 kilos, they only win when they go forward and they yeah. go back. And Bossy Rado, 48 yeah. kilos. Too. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he went forward and he walked basically, Mao in front and yeah. skipped on the corner and it was great. Out of all the wins that you shared with your dad and your brother, what was the most satisfying? Um, no, no, I mean, like, we're all there. Obviously, Melton Cup's great. Cox Plate was amazing. Um, I mean, trying to think. I mean, the, I mean, any big wins, big, I'd say probably what hits the most was probably the Blue Diamond. Uh-huh. And, and, and it, yeah, but it was it was because, well, that's another one, like all, all the owners bet on him at 50 to 1. Mm. We were really confident. And um, that was the first one. But I was only, I'd only just finished school and was working in the stables then. I wasn't a major role at any stage then. It's obviously your family and you're there, but that was the first Melbourne Group 1. That was... That yeah. was huge, you yeah. know what I mean, yeah. at the time. And then he was going to the slipper and yeah. like that was, that that hit home. I mean. Did he go to stud? He went to stud, but he was nearly in Perthile. Right. But did you guys, was it quite a big stud deal? No, because he was a rig. He only had one. Right. One okay. Nut. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he was, that was, that was obviously big. There was a day in Sydney where Divine Madonna won the Coolmore, Tip and Woody won the Tullock State. Um, I had a, I had, I'd just taken over the Adelaide stable. I had my first stakes winner over there. It was Devil Moon in a, mm-hmm. in a lead up to the Oaks. Um, that was a big day. And yeah. then Mount Even won up Mooney Valley, and mm-hmm. that was when Dad first started the Melbourne stable. Like that, yeah. the, there were some massive days. Yeah. Melbourne Cup week's always amazing. You know, like obviously yeah. the Melbourne Cup won an Emirates with Divine Madonna. Mm. So you came to Sydney and things went pretty well, right? Yeah. They look, they did, but what people probably didn't understand was I was the only person that I guess didn't realise how well I was going, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So so like we moved to Sydney in my first season, I only had two Metro winners, but I won a Gosford Cup and I won a Canberra Guineas with a Philly called Interspersed and I won a recognition stakes with Absalom. We were paying 165000 a year in rent at Rose Hill. I had probably 300000 hanging over my head from Magic Millions. And we're struggling to make payroll every week mm. with a big client that owed quite a bit of money. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm sleeping in the flat above the stables rather than renting a house to save mm-hmm. 500 a week to... And he had a child too, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, Sienna was three. Yeah. So whilst the horses were going well, or well as they could go, I'm sitting here thinking, <clears throat> I need another 30 of them going well to make this work. Mm. And... Because you wanted the... 
success on the premiership or you wanted the money so you weren't under... I wanted to survive. I wanted yeah. to live in a house. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I wasn't the only one. Like, you hear the stories about Michael Costa living in his car. The bloke could train. He's now in Dubai doing sensational things. You hear the stories about, you know, Chris Waller openly told, told, told the story before that they were surviving off Steph's modelling starting out in Sydney. He's an amazing success now, but if he didn't have that support, you know, he, he saw me one day when I was there battling and kept saying, you're going okay, don't yeah. panic, you're going okay, I've been through this, you've yeah. got to break through, you've got to break through. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bjorn, Bjorn came from family money, but there was a time where he sent the family home and lived in Sydney on his own for six months in a small one-bedroom unit with 12 in work to drive on and make it work. It's the sacrifices you have to break through. And I guess I... <clears throat> I mean, not, not, not nearly as much happens as pe happened as people think happened in my stable. Mm -hmm. Um... But my problem was, and, and I've said this before, I take full responsibility and don't have any regrets. I, things happened and I let it happen and so they nailed me to the wall. So, yeah. you know, what probably should have been a two-year disqualification or an 18 months disqualification became nine years down to four years yeah. after a court battle because the race day treatments happened and yet mm -hmm. my cobalt situation the two other trainers that were in exactly the same situation, I served four years for it and they served nothing. And have you let go? I mean, I can sort of sense there's a lot of anger still in you. Have you let it go? Or no, do you know what? I, look, I have because it shapes you as a person. I don't mean to be angry, but what I got labelled with for so many years and what I went through, I don't think I deserved. Yeah. But at the same time, I put myself in a position where I could get nailed. I, get, I got nailed, so that's fine. Like I, I, I accept that. It's changed me as a person. I guess what scares me now is I was at Rose Hill with thirty in work. I lost out on a lot of horses that went on that left my stable that I'd looked after that went on and won really good races, and I guess there's that scary part of me right now that says, well. I've gone from Musselbrook to Newcastle. It's really difficult to get stables in New South Wales. Have I missed that opportunity where I could have grown to be a force mm -hmm. in in Sydney to now, you know, you just can't get boxes anywhere in New South Wales. Have I missed that spot that I truly believe I was good enough to be in? Um, I guess that's mm -hmm. where the anger comes from. And I think, I guess the... The cobalt side of it, you know, it, it, it is what it is, right? And like I said, it's, 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 it's shaped me differently as a person. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of family stuff that come out of that and there's a lot of other stuff mm. around the periphery that people don't really understand that's where my anger comes from. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not upset that I got rubbed out because I deserve to be rubbed out. Mm -hmm. I don't think I deserved what I got, but I I deserve yeah. I yeah. deserve something. I'm yes. not I'm not I'm not stupid. I'm not sitting yeah. here saying this was an outrage. Like, yeah. it, like I did the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I raced. I treated a horse and treated it as a bleeder, and like, I did the wrong thing. Yeah. I, I, I acted outside the rules of racing. Sure. So, you know, you can't be, and and I let that go. Like, uh, you know, that is that is what it is. Right, and I let my family down, Kelly and Sienna, and uh -huh. we were homeless for a while. And had to what do you mean homeless? Well, you know, we were living above the stables that yes. we got walked out of. So, so um, where did you go? I had an owner ring me up. 
they had a place in Noosa. He said, go and stay at my house in Noosa for three weeks while you just sort yourself out. Mm-hmm. Then I had a client of mine who's become one of my greatest mates, um, Ken Wells, rang me up and said, we're going overseas for eight weeks. He said, come and stay at our farm, feed the dog and cat, and we'll just work out something. Mm-hmm. Stay here for a while. Mm-hmm. We did that. And then, um, then we went and lived at Kelly's parents for 12 months. Yeah. And what were you doing for money? How were you? Did you, uh, did you get another job? Or? Yeah, yeah. So like I worked in the butcher shop, worked for Ken on the farm. Kelly sort of started her physio business later. Uh-huh. Um, and was uh, it always, did you know you were always coming back? Or did you ever start to think maybe I'll never go back? Five minutes, so I didn't want to come back because I was dirty on the game and the way they behaved. And I was, you go from one thing that I prided myself on, like I'm very passionate about racing, my knowledge of racing. I know how to train horses. And people just think because you've had a positive swipe, well, you were just a cheat and you were given something and that's why they won. Uh-huh. You can say what you like about Darren Weir, right? Now, I'm not saying I condone what happened there. I'm not saying that at all. But irrelevant to what he did, the bloke is a horseman and can uh-huh. bloody train, yeah. right? Do you know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. that, so, you know, Buck Cummings got rubbed out for three or four times. You know, T.J. Smith, mm. so on, right? But that that and that was a different era, and I'm not excusing it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean they didn't have knowledge on how the horses they were good at what they did. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um. I think when people start to say, well, he had no idea what he was doing, he just was using a bit of gear, mm. that probably hurt me more than anything because mm-hmm. I'd bought these horses, sourced them, bought them through my system, and they were winning like half a million, million bucks, mm. Magic Millions winners, Mares winners, Group 2 winners, you know, like, and I'm sitting there watching them while I'm rubbed mm. out, and they knock me around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically spent every dime I had fighting a court case, mm-hmm. um, I was lucky enough that I've always been pretty passionate about my breeding. Yeah. And Kelly, Kelly, we had two mares and I put them in Folder I'm Invincible at 10 grand service fees and sold both them through a classic sale. And wow. And co- what's, what's I'm Invincible service fee now? 300. Yeah. Well, we were about 10 grand, I think. <laughs> so we put two through a classic sale and cleared an English debt. And that gave us some money to kick for a little while. Yeah. Bred a filly that was small but sharp. I sent her to friends in Victoria, Terry and Karina. She won a listed race and then we yeah. sold her, which was good. Yeah. Well, we got some money out of that um, and then just worked. So we had a few lump sums come in. How was your relationship with Kelly going through all this? Because it's not really ideal young kid. and. Yeah. I mean, she lost. I mean, she lost a you know, had a bit of a miscarriage and things like that, which, you know, we've only got one child, which, um, you know, she she obviously had an emotional struggle, as did I. I hit some pretty dark places. Uh-huh. Yeah, like bad. Yeah. But I was lucky enough that I had people to talk to. Yeah. And were you talking to your old man quite no. a bit? So you'd started to fall out. We fell out before. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. we fell out. We fell out at the sort of start of the cobalt thing. Uh-huh. What time were you up this morning? Uh, well, I, I stayed down here overnight, yeah. but I actually got up early this morning, went into the Flemington markets because I've got a few, a few owners in there and caught up with them. And because right. um, I, I can't sleep anyway, so yeah. and then uh, you know, come back here and 
back into looking at it. So you've got to wait three or four in the morning or something, you're up with you. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you're so used to waking up that early. Yeah, no, but not just that. So, like, and it's taken me a long time, but I've got a team of really young staff. They're really good. Everyone that works for me now has worked for me for uh, sort of 12, 18 months. Mm. So, um, so everything at my place is systemized, even though it's a small stable. So I get a text every morning from Lara at 10 to 3 with every horse's temperature, how much they've eaten, how much they've drank. Uh, and then I have a track sheet already written out. And if I want to change anything, we change it. So that message goes off at 10 to 3 every morning, um, like clockwork. Um, then, but yeah, so we, we take temperatures every morning, you know, make sure we're on top of it. And then I'll shoot back through the track sheet uh, and then they'll take a photo. If anything's got a cut in its leg, got cast overnight, swelling, anything like that. So we get photos through. So we've got a WhatsApp group with all of our staff in it. That all comes up. So that's all probably from 10 to 3 through to quarter past 3. We make sure everything's all good. Mm -hmm. And then me not being there today is no big deal. They're mm -hmm. just walking down and everything was doing slow work on the sand. Everyone knows their roles how they set up and whatever. So, mm -hmm. And then I'm available if someone wants to ring. So the other morning, um, there was a horse that got over to the track. Um, it's not a serious issue, but he had swelling on his leg, got a message, can you come over and have a look at it? Um, straight down, had a look, didn't work it, back home, bandage on. You know, so the good thing is, even though I've got young staff, mm. they've trained up really well, we've got a really good system that nothing's getting mixed, but I, I end up, even when I haven't been well, Kelly's always in the stable. Mm but I tend to be awake in case someone needs me anyway, if mm. that makes sense. Mm. You know, I might doze back off or whatever, but you, you don't really sleep that time of the morning once you're used to being there all the time. Mm. And where's Sienna, your daughter? She... she actually came down, she's here today. Um, she actually came down with me yesterday because I yeah. um, couldn't get a babysitter, but- How old's Sienna? 11, okay. no, 11 in two weeks. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, so she loves the sales. She uh -huh. actually walked past us a minute ago with her mum. They're, they're sort of finishing their second look. So she's, um, yeah, she, she absolutely loves it. So, so she's showing interest in the industry? Really interested in what her mum does, uh -huh. uh, which is the physio work. Yeah. And she doesn't know how to explain it, but she's actually really starting to pick up on things. She'll watch a horse work, yeah. uh, uh, walk up and back, and she'll be asking me about its hock and the way it's moving yeah. and all that, and, and Kelly will be explaining things yeah. to her and so on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool because, you know, she doesn't quite know what she's seeing, but she can see things and she's starting to understand it. Yeah. She's at that age where she's taking it in. She's trying to, a lot of the videos that Kelly watches with her books and so on, um, she's, uh, she's, she's watching a lot of them and taking a lot of that in, which is yeah. really cool. So she, we often put her up on our social media and that she's often with Kelly, you know, holding the massage tools and, and learning learning on the horses which is which is good and Kelly's a huge part of your guys success I, I think so I mean um, particularly with the tried horses mm -hmm. you know um, I mean we bought Arameo as an eight-year-old and got a 18 months out of him and won 300 grand we didn't win a race we were in fourth in the Ingham and uh, you know ran second in stakes race in Queensland and, and so on so um, you know Sikandrabab we bought as a seven-year-old and won 300 grand and won a Coffs Cup um, you know Kobe we bought for 100 grand and he had a lot of soundness issues mm -hmm. and you know he's he's won 300,000 and, and and will win more um and i think those horses without her continuous work on them mm -hmm. wouldn't have been able to keep racing and mm -hmm. keep going at the level they were but you know like she she's um she gives a service to our clients that they're probably not used to you know like she'll often do a video showing where the horse has got muscle soreness, showing what she's going to do with it. And, you know, we try to try to educate the owners as much as we can on the way through. We've got a new tried horse now, um, which come with quite a few issues. Um, pretty talented horse called Gundy Bridge. Mm -hmm. um, so 
he, he'd come as a bleeder and, and he's got a lot of issues. And, you know, Kelly's been filming uh, for the owners, you know, where she thinks the issues are and, and his movement and, and so on and how she's hoping to change it. And I get quite a few text messages. These updates are very interesting. They're enjoying it. So I think it adds, not only does it help keep the horses sounder and mm. racing for longer, um, but I think it adds something for the owners in their content that they can, they can see that we're putting in I guess it's an angle and a care mm. that, you know, we don't use a lot of cortisone, a lot of vets. Um, I mean, we, we obviously use vets. We trot up our horses when we need to, and we we um, we use ulcer treatments and we use, you know, normal antibiotics and things like that when you need to. So I'm not saying we don't use vets, we obviously do, but we don't um, we don't tend to be using a lot of cortisone and a lot of, uh, you know, injections to keep them sound. She seems to be able to do that a lot more naturally, and that's mm -hmm. why they're getting through longer preps without sort of, you know, having degeneration in joints and knees and so mm. on. So, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think it's an angle that works. And I definitely think it's an angle that works at the sales, you know, mm. finding those horses mm. that have coped with the prep and, and she works on so many for so many of the studs and knows them from a young age. You, you definitely, I feel like you, you have a nice advantage on buying a horse that's going to be sound and get to the races. And that's mm. after the battle. Yeah, when were you diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, so I, sort of when I started getting the symptoms, I actually hadn't been right for a little while, like just flat, struggling, and I was over, well overweight. I'm sort of 35 kilos lighter now than I was. And um, I got a lump in my throat last May. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, you know, I've got something stuck there. There's something not right. And I sort of let it go for probably a month, and it got worse. Did you even mention it to Kelly or anything, or just no. kept, kept it completely to yourself? Yeah. yeah. And, um, but I, I couldn't feel a lump. It was like... It was like I'd swallowed it and got bone stuck or like, uh -huh. like something had scratched it and there was like soft tissue there and sometimes when I was swallowing I wouldn't feel it. So I'd, I went carnivore and went running every day and, and sort of, you know, was basically eating omelettes and things like that and I kept thinking it would disappear. Yeah. And then I was actually on the phone to, I actually remember it really clearly, I went for some stables at Hawkesbury and there was three of us in the running for it, myself, Ed Cummings, and Blake Ryan and Blake got the stables. Yep. Um, and I was headless because I needed another 15 stables. Mm. And I was on the phone to Ed Cummings and we were chatting away and I picked up a lamb chop and I started chewing on the lamb chop and it got stuck in my throat while I was on the phone to him. I said, Ed, I gotta go and I hung up and I couldn't get it out. I got in the car and so I'm going to the hospital and Kelly got in with me and pulled up halfway there and vomited. I went in. And I said to the guy, I've got a lump in my throat. He x-rayed it. He said, oh, there's nothing there. I said, I'm not going home mm -hmm. until... And he said, oh, I'll drink some Coke. I've been two and a half months sugar-free. I was like, I'm not going to drink Coke. He said, no, I need to see you drink Coke. So I drank a bit of Coke and it bubbled and come back out my mouth, like the, the foam from it. He said, oh, there is something in your throat. <laughs> so the next morning they put me under and put a camera down. And I remember waking up. And the doctor come and see me and he goes, um, Bud, you got cancer. It's esophagus cancer. Like that, just that, like, that, that he goes, He goes, yep. Yeah. He goes, I said, oh, yeah, but what, so you've taken a biopsy? We don't really know yet. He said, I've seen enough of it to know. I'm just letting you know. We got to fucking, sorry. We, 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 we yeah, we, we got to get this sorted in the next couple of weeks. Okay. He said, you'll be getting surgery or something. Right. So he really cared, but he just, he was, his approach is just matter of fact, because he's been through it before and he just- Yeah, yeah. and you know, I'm probably younger and he's like, yeah. bud, we need to get this sorted out yeah. immediately. Yeah. 
So you're staying in overnight, I'm getting everything tested, you're having a PET scan today, you're having this, you're having that. And like, I've never had so many people served me. Like, it was in a day that doctor's like- And where are you at in your head? Are you like, are you terrified? Didn't really hit me. I rang Kel and said, they think it's a bit of cancer, but at this stage it's a lump in my throat. We might better just get it cut out. So we'll just sit and wait. And that's where I was like, 37 this doesn't happen to 37 yeah. year olds well hopefully we've got it early and we'll just cut it out yeah and kelly's given me the old straight away six weeks ago you should have went to the doctor yeah. and i was like oh. <laughs> um because even though i hadn't said anything she knew you know what i mean like, yeah anyway uh yeah so i went they did pet scan they saw a little bit in the stomach so then they went in the next day after and opened me up to look in the stomach and the went right down and they said, right, well, we need to send you for chemo. So there's a particular stage they diagnose you with? Is, it, is that how it was? Two, I think. Uh -huh. So just the stomach and the esophagus. Yeah. And so they said, we need to get some chemo into you to stop the spread. And then we're going to cut the bottom of your esophagus and the top of your stomach and you'll be right. Great. So I'm the whole time thinking, just going to get through. Mm. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And then... Did you start thinking about Sienna and all this as well? or The whole time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I... Because, I mean, she's going to see me losing my hair and I was tired and struggling. And um, I explained to her that I'm sick, but I'm going to have an operation. It's going to be fine. I'm going to lose my hair. And I'm tired. And so she used to come in every night and just lay on the bed with me and we'd listen to Harry Potter or um, Dragons of Fire or whatever, and we just listen to a podcast for an hour sort of thing, like, mm -hmm. and just hang on the bed with me, which is good, which I, I love doing, we still do now. Yeah. I'm, one thing about when I got rubbed out, I'm very close with my daughter. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time with her, which probably wouldn't have happened. I was so driven in the stables and worried about that. And when I went back training, there was times there where she struggled with how much work we were doing in the stables because mm -hmm. we always made everything about her, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. But I don't regret that side of it as well. Mm -hmm. I don't regret my mm -hmm. relationship with her. I know I drive her mad now because I you know, I get tired and grumpy and struggle and you know, she's an 11-year-old kid that shakes her head at her dad. <laughs> but, you know, kids are the best. You know? sure. What are we here for if we don't? Yeah. Have, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, and she... She understood, but she, you know, you, you sort of don't tell them everything. But then as it got more serious, you know, yeah. I had to, I had to have the conversation with her, you know, like yeah. I, you know, once, so what, I went through the chemo and then I, that was when I did the Will Friedman podcast, I just went down and got cut up and, you know, I was waiting to have the operation and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have an operation in December. It's going to be all good. And then a week later they come back and said, it's now on your liver and in your back and your stage four. And uh, when they say that to you, they say, just to let you know, you're now stage four. So the chances of survival past a year are 10%. And the chances of lasting more than five years are 4%. Have you got your affairs in order? And that's how they break it to you. And I went, ah. And when I was going in to get the results, Kelly was working that day. She's like, oh, do you want me to come in with you? I was like, nah, like we're just, you know, I've been through all this before. Like, don't worry about it. And we walked in, they said, where's your partner? Do you want to get her on the phone? I went, oh, yeah. you know, like that's, that's not great. Yeah. And is it because, you know, we go through the highs and lows in racing and, you know, 
you win, you lose, and it feels like it's everything, but is it nothing compared to the feeling of what you felt that day? You know what, it's weird, because I just, you go, hmm, I'm in trouble. But I sort of just looked at the flag, I was like, okay, no worries. He's like, so you're taking it well? I said, well, I know the stats, mate. What do you want me to say? Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. And he goes, so, you know, we can do more chemo. And I said, well, there's no point in that because it's a spread through the chemo. What about the immunotherapy? And um, he's like, oh, yeah, we can add immunotherapy. And one of the chemos was making me very sick and I really didn't want to do it. And um, the doctor that I met at St. Vincent's, um, Dr. Fenton Lee, organised me to meet an oncologist at the Kinghorn Cancer Centre, uh -huh. um, Dr. Sim. And Dr. Sim introduced me to Dr. Cosman, who's now my doctor, and they had a trial drug from America that had basically only been on rats uh -huh. and mice or whatever they do. Um, and that, so I think I'm one of 40-something people Australia, uh, worldwide. Wow. I think there's only about six in Australia that are on this drug. Uh -huh. And the idea of it is to help the immunotherapy identify the cancer. Uh -huh. So at this stage, I hadn't told my owners, but they obviously knew since I'd been sick, Kelly had appeared significantly more on the, the email updates and so on. And everyone knew what was going on. I'd said mm -hmm. on my podcast, The Stables, you know, then, mm -hmm. and I'd explained about the cancer and obviously the Will Friedman podcast, um, which most people have seen and, and, but I was getting worse and it was happening quickly and I didn't realise how bad it was in November, December. Mm -hmm. Dr. Cosman got me into the trial and she said, basically, the trial didn't want to take me because it, it was basically turbo cancer and spread so quick, which mm. is quite scary. And she put up a pretty good case to have me there. I had my first treatment on the 14th of December. I stayed with some amazing friends of mine, the besters, at um, Pearl Beach over Christmas, which was brilliant because... They've got kids the same age as Sienna and, mm -hmm. you know, Bridget took kids out on the, on the kayaks and did all that. I basically slept, I think, 18 hours Christmas Day. Mm. Um, I had a pulse machine that Kelly uses, which she found a study that it changes the uh, frequency and, and helps tumours. So I basically laid there with a pulse machine on me for three hours a day um, over my stomach, hoping to help the tumours. And I started on the 14th and the 28th and... About New Year's, I started to pick up, mm -hmm. and I went into the doctors. I think it was the fourth of January, and they took my bloods, and they said your blood markers have gone from eighty thousand to twenty thousand. The cancer markers. That's a good thing. Apparently massive. Yeah. And she said, I think we're going to book him for some scans early, just to have a look if we're getting a difference. Uh -huh. And they booked me in at the end of January, and when. When they told me to go into stage four, it had spread to my liver and my back. When they did the scans at the end of December, it's not now in my back. It's improved on my liver. And my tumour that had gone from 20 centimetres in October to 36 centimetres in December was back to 20 centimetres. So it basically improved everything by a third in two treatments. Mm -hmm. And they were shocked. And then I started to get my energy back. My hair's growing back. Mm. I'm... Sorry, I'm, I'm now back getting treated. My liver function's improved. So I've basically started every three weeks now until I'm better. But So we, we had to sit down and say basically 10 days ago, you know, when I started getting all these treatments, do we go to the classic sale and buy horses? Yeah. And do we rebuild the stable? 
do we have the clients that want us to rebuild the stable or do we let it peter out and like we said before i'm a lifer so we yeah. have to we, so we're going to we keep yeah well, here we are yeah and um probably for the last 10 days i've been able to stop thinking about getting here and trying to find the right one yeah and you know what like i know it sounds silly but the swings and roundabouts the good one will come now mm. like i've had uh, like i've had i've had a different story to most i've taken the path less traveled yeah um but i've never been more confident that the good one's coming because it has to you know yeah, like sure. i'm gonna beat the cancer it's the way the, way the racing gods work yeah i'm gonna beat the cancer <laughs> people that are stuck solid are gonna race with me and i'm gonna find the the monster, it's gonna happen. I, I just know it's gonna happen. There's a farm um, from uh, Scone, Richard McLennan's vet, Mallonglass, um, awesome people, him and yep. Kim. Um, they've got an Ole Kirk, his first season sire, black filly. Um, she's one of my favorite horses here. Okay. I'm gonna have a real go at her. Okay. Um, she could make crazy money. If she makes okay. crazy money, I'm obviously out. But so I've got where, a, where are you out? Oh, well, I mean, he's talking a reserve of 80 grand and I'll probably go to 200. Wow. If I have to. Uh -huh. And I hope I get it for 120. Yeah. <laughs> like her, her filly. So this is her. And um, even if you don't know what you're looking at, you can see that she's fucking Beautiful. trash. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like Monroe. Yeah, like she's she's wow. trash. Yeah. She's a she's got she's got a wow factor. Yeah. So like for a filly, you know, they come in all shapes and sizes, but what she's got is length, right? She's got a beautiful 45 degree angle on her shoulder, which is important for their suspension. Her legs are quite straight. She, she's not, her conformation's very good. Hindquarters uh, is, you know, she's not, um, she, she's sleek. She's not um, like just muscle, like she's not built like a, a cook sort of thing, like they say with the, the ass of a cook or whatever, but, sure. she's, but she's got that sleek balanced look about her. Mm -hmm. um, can you go for a stroll, please? And when she walks, she moves like a panther. Her hind feet cover her front feet which is called an overstep she reaches when she walks in front and I, I love this attitude with fillies I always say like they walk like they're going somewhere because mm -hmm. there's a lot of fillies uh, attitudes everything with fillies and you know the ones that are sort of pulling up and looking at everything you know you, you can't get a true aspect but you have a look she's ears forward head down every time she's walking she's on a mission mm. it's like she's going somewhere she's got something to do and I love that in a filly you know Every, I've had her out four times and she's just been professional. Mm -hmm. Hasn't turned a hair. When this breeze comes through, a lot of them like they flick their feet up or they, you know, that horse has been naughty over there. She's had one look at it mm -hmm. and then just look back at us. You know, that's that's a cool attitude. And you think that their temperament now is so very important. indicative of how they're going to be? Yeah, so right important. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about it when they get to the Randwick Mounting Yard at the championships. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You think about it when they get to the Randwick Mounting Yard at the championships and there's 20,000 people there and you yeah. see the horses that are sweating going sideways and the horses that are just, mm -hmm. I've been here before, you know. Everything, everything she does, she's like, I've been here before. I love that in a filly. Mm -hmm. In a filly particularly, I bloody love so that. So she's your number one? That's the one you want the most? Of the fillies, so yeah. 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 I mean, she hasn't got the pedigree to make what physically, type-wise, she could have made. Like, if she was out of, like, a proper mare and was on the Gold Coast, yeah. that's a half a million dollar plus yeah. Yeah. like, physically. Yeah. But she, she's got the classic style pedigree. She's out of a highly recommended mare that's, you know, I think Kiwi Stakes Place or something. So... You know, she might be a 150-200 horse. You know, I mean, this is going to go to air after probably pick up the thing and it's made 400 and I look like a clown. <laughs> Anyone can understand why? 200,000. Have a look at the quality to it. And 200,000. And 200,000. I tell you what, if you start the short stride, I'll take a 10. 
incredible one you've been super candid with us and open and people are going to be motivated to help you and, and join in on your journey yeah because you do luck and luck's a big thing and, yeah and they're not gonna ounce of luck's worth a ton of judgment yeah but they're not you know they're the luck's a side product they, they're going to want to invest in you because of your hard work and dedication and you and you deserve you know some help so what's the process now how can they get involved in your stable and yeah so this this won't air till after the classic sale but just a few things we're doing for our clients so really easy to sign up at my website just samcapitalracing.com and put in your details and mm -hmm. i send out a podcast sort of bi-weekly or monthly just chatting about the stables horses so on any horses that come available go on there but it's just a way to sort of follow us um, i just do sort of a 15 minute update um every sort of you know, that goes to everyone. Yep. And then obviously the owners get their, their personal updates with the horses and so on. So that's a good way. And the sales, uh, I've got a WhatsApp at the moment. It's got sort of 60 people in there. We profile horses every day we're looking at, profile stallions, first season size, show the work that Kelly and I are doing. The sales a bit of what we did today. We're just yep. trying to give them the impression like they're here, I mm -hmm. guess, because, um, you know, I'd the important thing for me right now is I, I need to probably get to five or six yearlings, mm -hmm. but I really don't want to have the debt. I don't really yep. need to be paying a million bucks worth of horses and selling it over a year. I just I just don't need the stress. Not that I'm saying I want to get through stress free. I want to, I'm going to have to stretch myself to get the horses I want, yep. but I'm I'm just making sure I have got the support behind me to buy yep. to buy the horses we want. And I guess rather than just advertising them and people seeing an ad, we like to be part of the process and yep. enjoy it. So. You know, I've I've profiled I think sixteen horses or something on the WhatsApp. Now we probably won't. By the time betting comes out and everything, we won't be even bidding on five or six. Yeah. Um. But you know, when it comes down to the six we're bidding on, those guys know and they'll be watching the the feed, getting the information, and you know, as it's knocked down, they'll know what we've got, what we've paid for it, and you know, hopefully I can yeah. sell the horses pretty quickly. Mm. To the, to the orders we've got, you know, we, we split them up into syndicates. Great way to get racing with people you don't know, meeting mm -hmm. people with a common interest, go to the races. We've had so many people that have become good mates, Facebook friends, ended up traveling to the races together, just getting to know each other through horses. It's, mm. and you know, fundamentally life's boring without a racehorse. Yeah. Very good, mate. Great place to finish. So, um, mate, you deserve the monster that you want. <laughs> I can't you. wait to see it. Thank you very much for today and um, good luck. Cheers.